0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown.
1: Create your life. Crée ta propre vie.
0: Create your life.
1: Create your life. Crea la tua vita.
0: Create your life.
1: Unscat your life
0: you better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Great love you.
1: Create your life. Create your life.
0: Beautiful people, thank you for joining us today on the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and today we have a a magnificent episode for you and a magnificent uh, guest, uh, Mr. Carl Ulysses Bowen, a TV and film tailor. So this is going to be, this is a treat, truly a treat. If you don't mind, Carl, please say hello to the Create Your Life series family.
1: Man, thank you so much for having me here. It's, it's such a pleasure. I'm so grateful. Um, yeah, man, let's get into it.
0: Let's get into it. Man, thank you for coming up from Atlanta, Georgia. As a matter of fact, i got to take a quick pause and say and acknowledge a musical legend who has uh, passed away from us uh, right now, uh, yeah. Prince. You know, And Prince is, is an icon. I mean, around the world, he's at this worldwide impact. And he's also an original, someone that you don't see that comes around often. And so I just wanted to take a, a moment and, and introduce you, but also to have a moment of silence for our uh, Prince. So if it, all the Create Your Life series uh, listeners, if you guys could uh, join us in a moment of silence, that would be amazing. All right, thank you. We're back. Carl, Mr. Carl, Ulysses Bowen. Please tell us, um, you are a TV and film tailor. What are some of Correct. the shows or movie projects that you've had the opportunity to work on?
1: Okay, um, I worked on Captain America 3, which is Civil War. Uh, it's coming out in theaters on May 5th. I'm excited about that. I worked on Barbershop 3, which was called the next, entitled The Next Cut. Uh, Miracles from Heaven, which just came out. Zoe, Ever After with Brandy. Oh, on wow. On um, I also did Romeo and Juliet. I'm excited about that because it was for the Atlanta Opera. Whew. So that, um man. yeah though skills, skills man. Thank you. Thank
0: you. <laughs> so t- what about some people that you've actually had the opportunity to
1: tailor for? Man, there's a movie coming out. Um I think it's May 20th. Mm-hmm. It's actually called The Nice Guys. So I did some things for Ryan Gosling. Wow. Um and some of their cast. Uh, I did I started out with Janelle Monáe, um Elizabeth Banks, um Jennifer Garner from Miracles from Heaven queen latifah actually too on that film um the first movie that i actually did in atlanta when i moved from new york i worked with samuel l jackson and he's you know um he he graduated from my alma mater so that was amazing okay hmm elizabeth banks janelle Monet, who was like
0: amazing and brandy okay so i have to ask you when you're on set and you're doing tv shows and you're doing movies and things like that what are some of the things that you're able to tailor? Like, are you just doing men's clothes, women's clothes, children's clothes? Like, what what type of items are
1: you actually doing on on the show, tailoring? It's crazy because every day is different. So I might hmm. be doing alterations today, tomorrow. I might be making, making garments. So I, I just did the Tupac biopic called oh, wow. All Eyes on Me. So I had to make a lot of um, pieces that, you know, we can't find now because they were made specially for the uh, the show. So just like Juice, the movie he played in, in Juice, I, I had to remake a piece for him and I remade other pieces. I'm, I'm working right now on... Um, I'm the head tailor at Tyler Perry, so I just got finished making two dresses for um, a pregnant actress. So it's, it's crazy. You, you alter clothes, um, you make clothes. I've, I've made... You know, different prosthetics for, like, bellies for um, pregnant women or, or actresses that were actually aren't pregnant, but they wanted them to portray a pregnant woman on film. So wow. it's, it's crazy, man. It's okay, crazy.
0: so I got to ask, what is the craziest thing or most interesting <laughs> thing that you've had the opportunity to make while on set? Um,
1: so last year I did a film called Vacation. It was a remake of the original Vacation, Vacation. Um, and I had to sew a prosthetic penis to a thong, a men's <laughs> thong. Yeah, it's it's really wild. <laughs> so they actually have us do a lot of of crazy things sometimes, and um, you know you just have to uh, to do it and, and make the best of it. Make the best of it. Wow,
0: a prosthetic penis interesting so you being having this skill set of being a tailor and these different projects and movies and the Tupac biopic that's my favorite rapper of all time mine as well and, and I love this dude he was just so authentic but at the same time I, I have to ask you was this always a passion of yours like tell us a little bit about growing up in wow. Atlanta and you know you're a little bit about your journey you
1: know to, to getting here okay so I'm actually from Riverdale Georgia which is south of Atlanta. Um, Kind of by the airport. Coming up, I was really into sports. Mm. Coming out of high school, I was I wanted to be in the major leagues. I wanted to uh, be a baseball star. After my junior year, I started getting scouted by a lot of um, teams, and also professional teams. Well, I was I was supposed to go to an actual, um, I guess it was a tryout for the Kansas City Royals. Okay, but most of the teams that actually were looking at me were, like, Howard University, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Grambling, um, and some other colleges. Okay. So uh, I I actually hurt my shoulder my senior year of high school. and had to figure out, you know, exactly what I wanted to do. I was um, a straight-A student, so I knew I wanted to be a doctor. Morehouse College is where I went. They graduate the most African-American males did. Go on to medical school. Okay. So shout out Morehouse. Okay. That's that's where I ended up going. Um, so I went there. Um, had a great time. Really studied hard. Oh, what was your major at Morehouse? I was a biology major.
0: Did you graduate from Morehouse? I
1: did. Okay. Awesome. I did. And did you graduate in biology or? Actually, my degree was in psychology. So, I went to a minority medical education program at Duke University Medical School. What year? Uh, this was the summer after my sophomore year of college. Okay, uh, Went up there, went on rotations. They We had to take some coursework. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the rotations that actually kind of helped me to find out that medicine really wasn't for me. So I, we did rotations in the neonatal care unit. Um, you would get attached to the kids or to the babies. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe one or two days later, they you know, pass, pass away. So I was really hurt from that and, um, did some work in the ER unit and, um, just saw some crazy things and I I knew it wasn't for me. So I went back to school, um, and actually thought about what I was going to do. So I just thought that I changed my major second semester of my junior year. I changed my major to psychology. Um, at this time I thought I wanted to go into physical therapy, Mm. which, I didn't end up in, but, um, actually at that time, there was a young lady. I was actually modeling at, at, um, Clark at the time and modeling in the Atlanta area. Right. And there was a young lady that I was dating. She went to Clark and she came over before we went out one evening and she happened to see some of my sketches on my dresser. Hmm. Now, when she saw my sketches, she said, you know, Carl, you need to take some basic construction courses over at Clark and I I didn't know if I want if that's what I wanted to do but since I had already <clears throat> loved fashion I modeled I sketched I was like why not you know so I took a basic construction course fell in love with it mm. so that's how it started that's how it started so in this basic construction course I mean I'm just going to go ahead and, <laughs> and and just
0: dive in man I what saw you, you I used to see you at the uh <laughs> At the fashion shows at Clark Atlanta. Of course, I'm a graduate of Clark Atlanta, uh, which is where I had the opportunity to actually meet you. But I saw you modeling. And I remember one year you had modeled for my clothing line.
1: I did. And I you, did. Were,
0: you, were in the, you were in the actual fashion department. And I remember one year. do you have to tell us all about <laughs> the muslin suit. Oh, See man. a lot of people don't know the muslin about tell us what muslin material is and tell us the story of the muslin suit cuz it's actually one of the first things that I ever saw you uh construct. Actually that's so, that's the course that we met in.
1: So muslin material is um, usually designers will use muslin to drape or to to create patterns. So it's um, kind of
0: like a practice it's like material. A, right.
1: Okay. So it's like a really thin material, it's 100% cotton. Um and it's almost like of oatmeal coloration. Okay. so um, when I got when I started this basic construction course, we had to make two garments and out of those two garments were going to make up your, you know, they were like your final project. So they made up your grade in the class. Mm -hmm. And um, the professor went around the room and said, "Okay, what do you want to make? I said, you know, she asked some other people, they said skirts, um, you know, pillow, um, things like that. Vests. You know, a vest and a pillow or whatever. She came to me and I said, I want to make some trousers and a blazer. And she said, wait, wait, wait. You can't make that. Pick something else. I said, no, I want to make a trouser and a blazer. She said, okay, well, you know that these two items, these two garments that you make are going to, you know, make up your grade. I said, I know. But I still want to make a pair of trousers and a blazer. She said, okay. Man, I think I spent so, I've never spent that much time on any garment ever (laughs) but it came out beautifully why why were you spending
0: so much time i gotta ask uh,
1: because it was like i was teaching myself how to sew we actually had two professors that year and that was the first year that they had two professors in the in the basic construction Mm. uh, program or course and um one of the professors didn't really know how to sew that well Mm. but um you know, I was when I when I had to go home, I had to do a little bit more work than everyone else because I was making because of the pieces that I was making. So I worked there and I worked at home. I worked on it when I went home. So it was like uh, working a job basically, forty hours.
0: Forty hours. Wow. Crazy. So this is you working on a project. This has gotta be a labor of love at this point because you're working on something that has nothing to do with your major, has nothing to do with the the path that you've been on you know going from from bio to psychology to wanting to be a physical therapist based off of these sketches and some advice from a friend uh, that you were dating at the time you decided that you were going to go into and take this this passion on of yours and kind of construct a, a new path something that aligned with you your personal goals uh right then
1: and there exactly so that is uh that's amazing so how did this muslin suit turn out It turned out pretty well. I was scared at first because the thing was you had to model your project (laughs) in front of the class. So I had to put on these muslin pants and this muslin um, suit or blazer and model it in front of everybody. But it it fit pretty well. I mean, the the waist was a little big, but I I could hold it in the back. (laughs) So you had to pin it, right? Yeah, I had to pin it up.
0: (laughs) Okay. So... So you t- you taking these classes. How, m- how long did you take those classes at Clark, the fashion
1: classes? I took two fashion courses at Clark. So I took uh, the basic construction course, mm-hmm. second semester of my junior year. No, I actually took that first semester of my senior year. Second semester of my senior year, I took um, product development. Ah, uh-huh. very important course. Very yeah. important course.
0: Okay, so you graduate, then you graduated from Morehouse. I did. Right, with a degree in psychology, but with a newfound passion. So once you found out that you were eager and interested in fashion for real, how did you feed that ambition? What did you go about doing after you graduated? Uh,
1: well, even before graduation, my second semester of my junior year, and nobody, not a lot of people know this, but I used to model for Bronner Brothers. So I would do all the Bronner Brothers fashion sh- fashion shows. So I went to... The two guys that headed the fashion show. And one of them was actually Michael Knight, Mm. who later I would um, make a leather vest for for his birthday. And this is the Michael Knight that won Project Runway, correct? Well, he got, I think he got third place, second or third place in Project Runway.
0: Yes. And you got the opportunity
1: to design for him. Right, right. Man, that speaks a lot to your craftsmanship. Yeah, so he, he basically spoke a lot of life into me. Um, because I went up to him and said, you know, instead of modeling this time, I ended up modeling anyway. But I said I want to enter in a collection, huh. you know. And at that time, I had, you know, you you remember, I had the collection of vest and uh, slacks. So I, I entered oh, yeah. about twelve really different right. pieces. Mm. And um, he came back to me said, Carl, nobody believes in you, so I need you to really do well. Uh, so the there was the a lot of pressure. Mm. And um we knocked that one out of the water. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Twelve pieces, man. That's huge. Michael Knight. <laughs> Michael yeah. Knight, that's a big deal. Broner Brothers, okay, so from there you did you did this collection for the Broner brothers and then what 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 came next?
1: And then actually Michael Knight came to me and he said, Man, I love your construction, how you construct different pieces. He said your seams are so um so straight and he said, you know, you press everything well. It just You finish everything very well. Mm-hmm. He said, I have a birthday coming up. I'm going to bring you these um, hides. So it was, they were leather hides. He right. brought me about le- eight leather hides. And he said, you know, I want you to design and make a, a double-breasted, peak lapel, black leather vest for me. Okay. Now, at that time, I had never used leather, but I wasn't going to let him down. Right. So uh stayed up day in, day out, figured out how to make it. And um, it it came out really, really well. He actually wore it to his birthday. Um, he had a, a big uh, birthday celebration at a venue in Atlanta. Okay. This was back in 2007. Okay. And there was a week before that, I did a fashion show at Atlantic Station in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, I know. And um, there was a stylist that I did the fashion show for. She came up to me. She said, man, I love that vest that Michael Knight is wearing. Who made it? And I said, oh, Sophie, I made it. Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah, right. You modeled for me last week. You don't make clothes. Stop joking. I said, okay. So she was standing by me. We were having some drinks, talking. Michael Knight came up on the stage, and he said, I'd like to thank Carl Bowen. And she mm-hmm. looked at me crazy. She said, oh, my goodness, this is great. I have a, I have a uh, client that I'm working with, mm-hmm. and I want you to meet with us tomorrow because we're try- really trying to move on things. She's a young lady. She's a singer. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. But she wants to do something different. She wants to wear suits. And I said, okay, cool. She said, okay, well, her colors are black and white. So it'll either be a white suit, black suit, white shirt, black shirt, bow tie, tie. Mm. I said, okay, wonderful. We went back to Atlantic Station, met at Atlantic Station the next day, and I saw Janelle Monet walking towards me. So that's how I started working for Janelle Monet.
0: Wow. Dude, that's an incredible story. That's how yeah, you started amazing. working for Janelle Monet. Huh.
1: And what was she like to work with? I'm just curious. Beautiful spirit. Um, at the time that I met Janelle Monet. And also Wonderland. It was really hard for me. I think I was about 20, really young, early 20s. It was hard for me to get a job at 23, 24 as a tailor in Atlanta. Because most tailors are in their 50s, 60s, 70s. yeah. You know, very experienced. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and her, Janelle Monet and Wonderland really speak light, spoke life into me and said, Okay, Carl, you are... Good at what you do. You know, we need you. We need this. We need you to be part of Wonderland right now. Mm. You know, what you do really matters to us and our movement. So at that time, you know, I couldn't give up.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't give
1: up. And and they, they helped me to keep pressing forward. So what are some of the items that you had the opportunity to design for her? Um, I mean, most she's a superstar. Yeah, man. yeah. This is awesome. So I made a pair of high-waist satin and wool tuxedo slacks for. Her. Huh. I made her some one day she came to me and said I want some spats. I don't know if a lot of people may not know what spats are I don't but know what spats are. um yes. they're Tell like us. wool shoe coverings mm-hmm. sometimes made out of leather. Um I made, you know, some shirts, some other things. Um I sketched up some emblems for her to put on sweaters but I I did a lot of alterations for her on blazers, suits, dress shirts. Slacks, everything. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful time. I also was tailoring for her producers at the time, um, Nate and Chuck, and also tailored for some more people that were in Wonderland. So it was it was amazing.
0: Okay, so you, you have this opportunity to design these different items for Michael Knight, which you didn't know how to do with the leather vest. You're doing things for uh, Jan- Janelle Monet, You're doing things for... You have these different projects going on. My biggest question to you is in the light of these different opportunities, how are you staying motivated, you know, like through, through basically these learning curves that you're experiencing or that you have to overcome? Like how, how do you stay motivated through that?
1: One is my family, my mother, my father, my, both of my brothers. They really, really support me. Um, my brother is a big part. My brother, Rudy, he's a big part of my, um, my brand. He handles the management. He handles the finances. He handles the website. He handles everything, so that I can be creative. Okay. In the brand, um, and then I'm big on not letting you know people down. And then I'm also very spiritual and religious. So I, I, I speak to God. You know, he gives me a lot of strength. And then I just know that you know, this is what I'm here to do. Mm,
0: so, you know, you know that this is in alignment with your purpose. So exactly. It sounds a lot to me like you're saying that you hold yourself accountable. You right? have By not letting other people down, you also don't want to let yourself down. And so, you're really holding yourself accountable into a high standard. Right. But it seems like this, what you're doing with this, this tailoring and with this designing as well, in addition to what you do on TV and film, you also have a personal brand and it's called? It's called Carl Ulysses. Okay. So, with that, how did you actually figure out what was that turning point where you said, you know what, I'm going to do this? full-time I want to pursue this full-time because again you had this experience even with the classes that you took at Clark Atlanta University the fashion classes you're talking about not having a job right after college and then you get this opportunity to be with uh, Wonderland and Janelle Monet but how did you say all right man you know what I still want to pursue fashion and not just go and get a psychology job or a psychiatrist job
1: or a regular nine to five like how did you figure that out I think one of the biggest um turning points for my life was actually when I moved to New York in 2009 and really a very close friend, I think you know him personally, (laughs) um, a very close friend named Kevin Brown um, actually called me and said, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You need to be doing something bigger. Um, Is everything going well for you? And just checking up on me. I got that call. I think a month later I moved to New York.
0: How did you know that? tailoring was for you versus what you majored in in college you know what was your why like how did you figure out that tailoring was what you were supposed
1: to do well when I actually started making clothes um, I started to find out that this tailoring thing was bigger than myself Mm. and what I mean by that is is like I told you before I was a designer for the Bronner Brothers show I did not tell you that my girlfriend at the time funded my whole line, oh wow, incredible woman, so she made the whole she she funded the whole line, and um uh, so grateful for that um when I used to make these pieces, I actually had a job a full time job at the time, okay, so um for three days out of the week, I wouldn't go to sleep because I had to make twelve pieces, so I would stay wow. up all night um and it would I would usually try to to do um one on the weekend and then two during the week, like Tuesday and Thursday, so Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, So sometimes it didn't work out like that. But But as I started to make these pieces, you know, I put them on my, um, my mannequin or my dress form, and I just sit up at night and look at them. And I couldn't believe that I actually made these pieces that were so well finished that, you know, popped that, you couldn't find in stores, so I think that's what it is that really kept me, you know, focused on doing tailoring because oh. I, it was something bigger than me. You know, I, I couldn't even believe that this that I, you know, had this skill oh, so and I had, was talented like this.
0: So you had the opportunity to allow your the, the vision in your head to come to life. So seeing that is what really helped you to pick this as your, your avenue and as your way that you were going to make things happen or that you, the career path for you. Right, right. Okay, so tell us about this. You moved to New York. What, what was that like? What oh, is that man. about?
1: It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. So from the time that I said it, I knew I couldn't really go back and say, no, I'm not coming. So I had $500, uh, went to the airport. I actually moved up here with another young man. His name is Michael Andrew. Um, so he came down. We went to the airport together. I had $500. I had two bags. I had a carry-on. Got to the kiosk. They weighed my bags, and they said, your bags are too heavy. I had $500. It cost $150 to put my my bags on the plane. So that took me down to $350. Wow. <laughs> wow. What else is funny is that we didn't know exactly where we were going to live. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, everything worked out. We prayed, you know, God blessed us, and we got here, and we stayed um actually with kevin brown and um and a lady named miss Brown so um until we until I got on my feet, we lived there for about we were only supposed to stay for a week, <laughs> but we actually stayed for three months um so I knew I had to hit the ground running. The next day The next uh, day
0: after you arrive.
1: The next day after I arrived, we arrived that afternoon. Uh we got up early in the morning the next day, put on a three piece suit and I hit I hit that concrete jungle and found a job. Um landed a job that first day. I actually got a job on the uh at Macy's, the flagship.
0: Thirty fourth uh, street. Thirty fourth Street,
1: Macy's. Okay. Uh I worked in at, in the Hugo Boss section, designer suits, uh, and it was it was great. It was a great experience for me. Um, fast forward a year, I, I got a job at um, at Ross. I was an assistant buyer for two years. So, for those two years, I worked at Macy's and also Ross. Wow. But um, during this time, you know, because your passion is
0: tailoring. Were you actually able to tailor or to do do designing while you were working these two different
1: jobs? I was. So I, I actually had to work on gaining a clientele list. I pledged Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated six months prior to my move here. I used the networks that I had from that with New York alumni and also in the fashion industry. Gained a clientele list, started doing alterations out of my house. And then I started working for um, some celebrities here. A man named Kevin Mays was gracious enough to help me out. Wow. Um, And he's a tailor in Atlanta now. He was in New York at the time working on the Tyra Banks show. He was tailoring for the Tyra Banks show. And when he couldn't get jobs, he he gave me a call and said, you know, he referred them to me. So started working. I worked with Jessica Bill. I worked with Jane Rosenthal. Actually, this weekend is Tribeca Films, and right. um, it's going great for her. Each year is getting bigger and bigger. I'm so proud of her. Um, and you were tailoring for her, the woman who's yeah. over, yeah, over the actual. She's Tribeca one of the, the co-founders thing. with uh, Robert De Niro, Elizabeth Banks. When she was here for the Met Gala, I think that was in 2013. 20, yeah 2013 Met Gala. I worked with her.
0: So how are you finding time between these jobs? Because you, you're working at, if you're an assistant buyer at Ross, I'm assuming you're working there
1: from 9 to 5 maybe? Or what is Yeah, I was working from 9 to 5 there, and then I would go and work um, 5.30 to close at Macy's. At Macy's, wow. And then I would go home, back to Harlem, and I would work from then until I you know, got finished. Dude, this is, you're talking about.
0: I mean, if you're doing all of these different projects, you're going from not really knowing what you're doing to to tailoring and designing for a woman who runs the the Tribeca Film Festival. You're putting in these hours, obviously, though, to work on your craft. My question to you is: Is how do you stay motivated? I mean, two jobs. I mean, I've been in situations where I've had three, four jobs, but I mean, they call that moonlighting when you're working right. after hours, you know, uh, on your on your own craft but how do you stay motivated
1: how did you stay motivated you know during this time god just put the right people in my life and i'm the type of person where i'm not gonna let you down Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna let myself down but even more than that i'm not gonna let you down Mm. so the tailor that i worked got some of the work from as i said was kevin mays i couldn't let him down i couldn't let these celebrities call him and say you know we're never gonna call you again because who you referred didn't, you know, hold up the bill. He didn't finish my items right. Keep, you know? his exactly. keep his name. Exactly. Keep his name short. So, it? okay, I was forced mm. to uh, become who I wanted to be. And rise to the occasion. And rise there there occasion, was a choice yes. there too, man,
0: in that. There's a choice to, to become that person and, and to accept that responsibility. Do you have like a success slogan or is there anything that like a model that you go by? I'm Yeah, I do. Taking and, notes. Um, it's do your work
1: and let it speak for you.
0: Hmm. Where'd you get that from? That's that's a powerful statement, man. Where, where'd you get I that from? I actually
1: got this from a man. Um, a man said it to me. Not exactly like that, mm-hmm. but he was the editor at Essence. He was the editor at Essence. Okay. Um, I don't remember his name, but um, when he said it to me, it just stuck out to me. I kept thinking about it and kind of you know, put my own twist on it.
0: Okay. Now, one thing that you did say is you said that God put the right people in your life. So that leads me to the question of peer group, right? I always, I feel like, you know, iron sharpens iron. Last week we had uh, Eric Fondren, uh, CEO of Free ATMs on on the show, and he said if iron sharpens iron and if you're not, if your iron's not being sharpened, then it's rusty, which I thought was like amazing. I'm It is. I, I was it really is just still in that quote. <laughs> but my question to you is is how do you select or how do you monitor your peer group? I monitor it by And who are your peers? Like if you, who are your peers? Like do you have a lot of friends? Do you have like a little bit of friends? Like who are your peers?
1: Like I don't really have a lot of friends, but when I came to New York, I just started to find a lot of entrepreneurial-spirited friends, Mm. Um, like-minded people that really... I'm really big on speaking life into people, Mm. and my friends speak life into me. Okay. So um, either they are usually where I am, and, you know, we're helping each other get to um, get higher, or, you know, they're reaching down to pull me up. Right. So um, most of my friends are... Um, as I said, entrepreneurial spirited, uh, motivational speakers, um, business owners, um, fraternity brothers. Okay. So um, just people that, that really, really, really speak life into me, and I do the same for them. Okay.
0: Now, I mean, I know you personally. You're definitely a positive person, uh positive brother. My My next question to you would be, How do you determine who to pick the phone up for? So you have this group of friends, right, and these group of peers. But some people get that that instant access. If you see a missed call from somebody, you immediately call them back, whereas you might not necessarily call back someone else as quickly, though you guys may still be friends. So how do you determine who it is that you actually pick up the phone and return that phone call for
1: immediately? Well, that's a little bit harder for me. Because I really don't have business hours So my clients call me all times Of the day and night Mm. But um, As I said I don't really have a big group of friends But mostly All of the people that I can call My friends I pick up the phone whenever they call me Because I never know what's going to happen Um, Or I never know What is happening and why they're calling Um, So I usually pick up the phone Mostly all the time only because, mostly because I'm a, you know, a business owner and, you know, I have one phone. <laughs> <laughs> got
0: you, got you. So my, my question to you is, is also, like, where does that, where does this passion come from? I know you you mentioned your mom and your brothers uh, earlier, but the the passion and, and the will, like, right. where, is there, like, a, a place or an experience that you had that kind of just, uh, just gave you that, I'm gonna, I'm going to do whatever I
1: set my mind to? Man, there's not really a place or anything like that. One thing that I can say is I'm a visionary. Mm. And um, I start to see so many things in my head. I'm like, you know what? I have to get these out. People have to see this. I have to share with people. Because I know that I'm not the only one that's going through this. I know I'm not the only one that struggles. So if I can help someone Mm. by um, putting up a quote, by making something and telling them, giving my testimony. I know, you know, I need to push all of these things out of my head so that uh so that I they can be shared. People want to know you were working at at Ross and you were right. working
0: at Macy's and so you're under someone else. Have you ever had in wild moonlighting of course and doing your own thing in your own businesses? How, was there ever a point where you were dealing with a with a not so pleasant boss and how did you handle mm-hmm.
1: that? Wow. I was at Ross for three years, and although my boss was very smart and taught me a lot, um, my boss was very demeaning and talked down to me. Um, But I think at the time, that's what I needed to actually come out of my shell, you know, to become more confident and do what I knew I needed to do. Um, so, are you saying? I'm
0: sorry to cut you off, but are you saying that the, his put downs you use those as motivation? His demeaning attitude towards you use it as motivation to become a better man?
1: Is oh, that yes. what you mean by that? Okay, I worked harder. Is a
0: powerful. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right, powerful work. Okay. I worked harder. I stayed up um, creating designs. I stayed up making sure that um, that I c- I had a plan, an exit plan. Right. You know, oh, gotcha. I couldn't get content. You know, and that's what I was saying that that's what I needed at that time. You know, sometimes you have to be forced out of your situations, and I used that earlier. You know, you can't become too too content because there's always something else that you need to do. There's always another chapter of your life. So once this chapter is closed, you need to know what else you're going to be doing. And that's what I learned from that situation. Okay, so you're talking
0: about moving forward and you're talking about closing one chapter and taking on another. You came from Atlanta to New York and moved back to Atlanta. Tell us about (laughs) that transition, man, and
1: how that actually even took place. So in 2013, I called Kevin Mays, who was the tailor that was in New York. Mm -hmm. He moved to L.A., and then he moved down to Atlanta, started doing films, tailoring in films. At the time, I was uh, my girlfriend. um, At the time, was a model. In L.A. And um, he worked at Tyler Perry, which is crazy that I now... Kevin worked at Tyler Perry? Yeah, now that I now have the position that he once had. Um, Wow. And I told him, because he wanted to meet my my ex, and he said, uh, I said, you know, we're coming down there for the weekend because I went to Morehouse, she went to Clark. We never really have our homecomings homecomings at the same time, but we'll both be down there, so I want to introduce her to you because you said you wanted to introduce her to you know some people at Tyler Perry Studios okay so um he said Carl you know what and I remember it clear as day I remember exactly where I was exactly how it was said my heart was beating fast he said Carl you need to move you need to stop playing and you need to move down here because you're not making no money up there Ha! <laughs> so that's incredible
0: so you had two different friends at two different times years apart say
1: right. Carl you playing? you need uh-huh. to move here Oh, man. And I said, man, so what do you expect me to do? You expect me just to move? He said, yeah, you already have your ticket for the weekend, right? I said, yes, I do have my ticket for homecoming. So he said, okay, well, I just got a call. I can't do all these jobs. I got a call for this movie, and I don't have anyone to refer. So I want to refer you. I said, okay, well, let me, ha- let me have two minutes and let me call you back. I called my mom. I called my ex-girlfriend. Call him back in four minutes and said, "Okay, if you can get me the job, I'll take it and I'll come down there." Wow! The next day, I get a call from a uh, from the designer of that movie. Which movie is this? This was Barely Lethal with Sam Jackson and Jessica Alba. <laughs> what? Yeah, dude, you so, are blessed. Okay, so. At this, and she doesn't know that I live here. She doesn't know that I lived in New York. Right, right. You know, because if she did, I probably wouldn't you get got the, the job. job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're having a phone interview. I'm trying to be quiet because I had to walk out of my office at Ross, and I'm in the stairwell, you know, whispering. And I know she was like, why is this guy whispering on the phone? <laughs> so I'm giving my phone interview and, you know, trying to watch out to make sure nobody hears me. And um, she says, okay, okay. You have the job, when can you be here? So then everything really changed in my life because I was like, Man, what am I gonna do? I have an apartment in New York, you know, I'm moving down there. I'm not really making money like that. So I can't have a place, you know, in on the on the both, you know, on both north both side feet. of the east coast mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and also the south side. So it worked out because I had a roommate at the time and he was like, Man, just go, just do it. Oh, you can man, come back amazing. and get your stuff. So um but I was also um uh, a little bit scared because in the industry I work in, in the T V and film industry, you're you're like an independent contractor. Right. So when one job ends, you have to go out and find another job. Right. But it's worked out to where, you know, I, I haven't really had a lot of um, idle time. So how long did it take you to, to go down to Atlanta from New
0: York? Like when did you move? Was, like, what was the amount of days that it took you? After she said
1: you're hired, it was four days. Wow. And did you So what about coming back to get your stuff? How would you go about doing that? Um, so after I did, barely lethal, I went right into Drop Dead Diva the next week. So I couldn't come up and get my stuff then, and then I went right into the first season of Satisfaction, which is a TV show. I think they're in the third season now, mm-hmm. but it, it's on USA on the USA Network. So for Labor Day, I finished you know my work on that Friday, mm-hmm. went home, took a nap, and drove a commercial van that had <laughs> no seats in the back. Drove a commercial van up to New York. Dude, how long is it? Fourteen hours. Uh, It was probably fourteen, fifteen. It was about it was it was about sixteen up. No, it was fifteen up and sixteen back. Wow! So I left on Friday, Mm -hmm. Friday night, drove up to Harlem. Uh, I didn't pack the van up right away because you know I just rested and um, packed everything, put it by the door, and then I left on Monday,
0: Hmm.
1: and then it was sixteen hours back. Wow,
0: man! Talk about going and driving your destiny, and creating your life. I got a couple questions for you. And this question is very, very important. You have now entered the everyday renegade zone. And so (laughs) I have to tell you, uh, have to ask you, rather, three defining moments. What are three defining moments for you? Or what are some of your defining moments? That you feel like had you not made this
1: decision then something else might
0: not have happened and you wouldn't be where you are
1: now. Okay. Um... One of those defining moments was actually when I was in New York. I was working at Ross and also um, Macy's. Holding down both jobs, everything was going well. I applied for a visual manager position at Macy's. Now, by doing this, I gave them my resume, so they knew that I worked at Ross, which might be a problem because they're not really competitors because one is off price and then you know one is you know regular retail. But I thought nothing of it, move forward. Um while I asked for too much money for the position, they wanted to give it to me, but they gave it to a younger, younger guy and just felt that they would teach him. Um I got a call from the the entire store manager. She called me and, and offered me another position. Now she didn't say I still thought she was going to talk to me about the visual manager position mm. but she called me and said, "Okay Carl, we have another job for you. We're going to she used the word promote. Promote you to stock manager." And uh she told me how much money, you know, she was going to give me. It was good money. It was a lot more money than what I was making. But at that time I said, you know, I can't I can't take that. I I'm sorry, but I have to decline. So that was really a defining moment in my life because I could have taken that money and lived a better life Mm. than what, what I was but I didn't take it and because I didn't take it she talked to everyone at Macy's and said, okay, you have to choose because these two jobs are a conflict of interest. I chose Ross, you know, really had a hard time and struggled a lot but that was really, really a big defining moment for me because it was like put up or shut up, you know. And I'm really big on people saying, if someone tells me I can't do something, mm. then I'm really going to do it, you know. And I'm not going to put it in your face or anything, but I'm just going to really...
0: The, let yeah. the work speak for you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> do my work and let it speak for myself. Wow. You know? So um another defining moment was actually... When, even before then, I, I was in Atlanta making clothes for the Browner Brothers fashion show. And Michael Knight came to me and said, nobody believes you can do it. Everybody thinks that you're nothing more than a model. And I said, okay. And he said, now, if, you, if you're just going to play around, then don't even do this. Mm-hmm. But you need to take this seriously because I know you can do it. Wow. That was a, a defining moment. And then... um and then when I moved back to Atlanta, um, you know, just again, people didn't think that I could. I, I, I could I was a good tailor. One because I'm young. At that time, I was the youngest tailor in in the the film industry, and um, just took it. Made sure that I was at work before the time that they told me to be. Made sure that I, you know, made my connections and 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 thought about it as you know. Every day is an interview. Wow. So I'm going to make sure that, you know, I'm on top of everything.
0: So, dude, you literally, you turned down the high-salary job in order to to follow your passion. You didn't want to be a stock manager. And every time somebody's telling you that you can't do something, you're rising to the occasion whenever you're hearing any type of doubt. Right. I, that's the, the epitome of creating your life and the epitome of following your own uh, being yourself, man, and starting with being following your why, I I have to say that you this is amazing. You know, I'm finding out things that I didn't know about you uh, even here in this interview. So I would say for someone else who's pursuing their their dream, working to create their life, and they want to come to New York, and you know they might be on a shoestring budget. And you know they have the opportunity to take this money and not follow their dream and things like that what,
1: is, what kind of advice would you give to that person? what would you what would you say to them? Just make it plain write it down figure out what you can do inside of your means and and, and try to move forward with that. One thing I can say is when I moved back to Atlanta and I was still tailoring, um, I did something called mobile tailoring. Okay, I had never heard of mobile tailoring, but I did it being creative because you know I needed to save up for a car. I needed to save up for you know. A and place you, had, to you had went
0: from living in your own place in New York, you yeah. know, with a roommate to I actually went moved back to Atlanta and lived with my mother. Wow! Just yeah. so that you could follow your dream and move and move forward, man. Right? And that's the, in my opinion, that's the epitome of what it takes in order to to. Become who you want to be. You have to humble yourself, and you have to do whatever it takes. You know, find a way or make one. That's the motto at Clark Atlanta University. I hold that near and dear.
1: And it seems like you you live it and walk it every single day. Right, right. There's no reason that you should really try and come up with a plan B. You know, plan A, stick to it, mm. and just move forward. If you have to force yourself into becoming who you want to be, then, you, you know, you create ways to um, to create your life. Wow. In other words. So with that being said, man, I love how you do
0: Create Your Life in there. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, I'm sure listeners and anybody who is, uh, who is tuned in right now or who might listen to the podcast later, they want to know how to stay in contact with
1: you. What are some, some methods, social media? or? Okay, well, my website okay. is That's Uh also at Carl Ulysses, um on Instagram. And on Facebook, Carl Ulysses, C-A-R-L-U-L-Y-S-S-E-S. Okay, awesome, man. Well, what we're going to do is I
0: really, really thank you for being here, Sir Carl Ulysses. Hold on, before we get out of here, I actually have to make an acknowledgement. We are doing great on our fundraiser, and I have to acknowledge the people who have donated. So, I want to acknowledge uh, Work Hard, Train Harder uh, with uh, Mr. Paul James, which is a workout boot camp here in, on 135th and 8th in New York City. And I work out there. That's how I keep my, my figure. And so, I want to acknowledge them. They actually donated Mr. Chris Alvarez of Transcendent Enterprises, uh, Julian Bob, uh, Miss Leticia Dunier, uh Larone Sobrian, uh, Miss Tiffany Reeves, Miss Sheikah Jones, uh, Ms. Kim Jackson, and, of course, my near and dearest little cousin, Shafan Rollins, so for supporting. Thank you all for supporting the Create Your Life series. We are moving forward, and we are definitely getting closer and closer to that goal, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. brown Please come back and see us next week, 530 to 630 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we're out.